bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, 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 we got the buzz. Turn down the buzz! It's another Cause Monday episode. Welcome, Cougar Nation. I am your host, Daniel Olson, and I am excited to talk about some BYU sports. Uh, Let me just introduce the podcast. We are at The Hive Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Make sure to follow us. And also, make sure to hit that five-star rating and give give us a review on Apple Podcasts especially because we will hook you up with some BYU swag if if you do so, um, or we will give you the opportunity to win something. So, so make sure to get those reviews in, let us know what you like, and what we can do to improve. And without running out, out of the way, let's, let's get to it. We're, we're ending November. This is the Cause Monday for November 30th, 2020. So let's get to it. We, we got a lot to talk about, mainly the two sports going on right now, football and basketball. So football, there's not a ton that went on because there wasn't a game this week, but yeah, there was a lot on going on behind the scenes. Um, as you heard last week, there's that whole kind of fiasco that got leaked about the deal that almost went through but didn't, and some people on BYU's side feel like it was a smear campaign against BYU, trying to make it seem like, oh, BYU was afraid to play to play Washington. And it was very mischievous, I think, from those Huskies because, because they make it look like, okay, Zach Wilson wears a headband that says, any team, any time, any place, and we're scheduling them, but they're not agreeing. But let me tell you, like, BYU... That they tried to get a schedule going, but they're not going to let um, somebody else punk them and try to say on, on our terms. Like, we, we did say any time, any team, any place, but, but it goes both ways. You, you can't say, oh, well, we'll schedule you, but if we want to back out the last minute, we can. And you can spend, and, and in order to comply with the Pac-12, you would have had to invest even more resources and do even more COVID tests and to do all that and just have a game be canceled. Like, no, that something's got to give. And BYU was trying to get a deal to go at Washington with the caveat that they can't just like say, oh, let's cancel the game because a Pac-12 team, a better team just became available because, because BYU's got more self-respect than that. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a lot of that, we, you know how the BYU feels, so we can just do what we can do and just try to win. Um, and uh, I guess last week we did not talk, because on last Monday we still hadn't gotten the the um, CFP committee rankings. Holy cow, let me tell you, that was that was disrespectful to BYU. Um, BYU was ranked... Eighth in the AP and coaches poll again, and just so you know, they're still ranked eighth. They narrowed the gap by one vote last week. They were ninety-two 
votes behind Cincinnati, and now they're only 91 votes behind. So creeping up there. But, um, so they are now 91 there. And yeah, coaches poll, or not coaches poll, college football playoff committee poll, 14th. Like, really? Like, what, what's going on here? Um, let's, let's take a look at last week's poll here. Let me, because I'm looking at this week's, but week 13, college football committee says, sorry, BYU, we think that there are three two-loss teams better than your undefeated season. Um, we think that Georgia, Oklahoma, and Iowa State are better. So I, I don't quite know about that. Um, if we look at that, um, let's see, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma looked, Oklahoma's game is postponed this week, so we, I mean, we're still waiting on them. Iowa State, yeah, they barely eked out a win over Texas. Uh, the committee looks silly, ranking Northwestern um, at number eight at five and zero oh, because they just got beaten by a not uh, not so good Michigan State team. So so that's one team I would hope that maybe BYU can jump a spot or two. Um, because they need to get in that top 12 if, if they realistically want a chance to be one of the teams selected for a New Year's Six Bowl game. So one team that they're talking about that just got an opening, I mean, BYU is looking for an opening. From what I've seen on, on social media, on Twitter, Tom Homo wants to schedule a game. He's called every athletic director they can, and a lot of teams, they don't want to play BYU, so our... Are they ducking the Cougars? Like, so what's going on here? So Miami Hurricanes might be wanting to play BYU, and their only loss, like a lot of teams, they got beat pretty handily by Clemson, 42-17 to earlier in the year. But they've beat a lot of other teams, albeit kind of close games. So, so I don't know. I think that's a game that BYU would like to have on the schedule. And we know that BYU has a history of beating Miami in big games. At least it, that was the case about 30 years ago when Miami came into town, into Provo, and the number one ranked Miami Hurricanes and lost to the eventual, the, the Heisman, Ty Detmer. So that would be a game to see. I think BYU, if, if they really want a shot at a New, at a New Year's Six and not... Um, what some I'm seeing some people are thinking that this has vibes of like another Vegas Bowl, the, the Holy War in Sin City Part Two, but Cougars, what would you rather do? Make millions of dollars at a New Year's Six game, or have to play the Utes again? And if you win, they'll they'll say, "Oh, you finally got one on us." If if you lose, they'll you'll never hear the end of it. So. So I I would love to see BYU in in a New Year's Six um, against a Power Five team. A lot of them I think they have a chance to beat. I don't know if I'd want to see them against Cincinnati because that they just even if they win they wouldn't get respect. People would say, oh that's a group of five team. But but anyways, um, as far in my humble opinion, I. Th- 
I don't know if this is so much of a G5 bias because, I mean, Notre Dame most years is not considered a a power five. They're not a group of five either. They're an independent, and so is BYU. And this year, yeah, Notre Dame is in the ACC, but I think this is more a little bit more of an East Coast bias. And, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of things, and I respect all your opinions. Some people think it might be a little bit of a religious bias, but I don't really want to go down that route. I know, yeah, Notre Dame's a religious school as well, but I think the reason I think it's an East Coast bias is because I don't like like Kirk Herbstreet and a lot of those guys on ESPN, some of those analysts, right right, right when the playoff um, results came out, the when the poll came out, they were wondering, has the committee even watched BYU play? And, I mean, if you look at it, a lot of those committee members are on the East Coast. So when BYU's playing these 8 p.m. games, the committee is probably getting their pajamas on, um, getting ready to go to bed. And they're not watching BYU play. They might see a couple plays here and there and be like, oh, Zach Wilson, yeah, he's got some nice passes. That's cool. But but their excuses about Boise being like, oh, so their best one was Boise, and Boise was on their third-string quarterback. Well, I mean, Kalani Sataki said it best. He wasn't happy, and, and he kind of laid the smoke on on not only the committee, but he kind of, on some of the, these Boise State fans making excuses, he was saying, like, I didn't realize their quarterback played defense. And when you look at it, yeah, yeah, Boise, maybe with their first string quarterback, scores a couple more points. Do they put up, can they match BYU's 51 points that the defense allowed? Not so sure about that. And, and yeah, so, again, Clowney wasn't happy about that. Um, and... Like he said, they won, BYU won with their third-string quarterback. He, he said, um, we know how hard it is to play with our third-string quarterback. We put, did it last year. And he was saying, like, our guys, yeah, it's it's hard when somebody gets injured. But, like, they don't – in his words, he was kind of – he didn't mince words. But he said, like, we don't cry about it either. We just go to work and do our best. So props to Kalani. He's doing his best to – respect and support the team and I know some of you my, my good friend Joe Wheat um, Sporting Mix Sports some of these guys on Twitter that are diehard BYU fans Kalani's showing a little bit of love and and following some of them on Twitter so if you're a big time BYU fan and um, you want to get your name out there just keep tweeting keep talking about BYU you never know Coach Sataki might drop a follow or a couple of those coaches might. Um, but I don't know how much more we want to talk about football. I mean, again, I hope to see a game get scheduled. There's games getting canceled left and right. Um, maybe maybe we go through the list here. Um, so this last week, nobody in front of BYU in the CFP rankings really lost except for Northwestern. So you take Northwestern off. Um, Oregon lost to Oregon State, so that was a team I was worried that was going to... They were 15th. I was worried they were going to jump BYU. I don't think... <laughs> I mean, you never know with the committee. I saw, like, a parody committee account, and they keep, like, hyping up these power five teams that aren't really good and saying, oh, like, now with Washington beating Utah, is Washington 
uh, up in the top 10, but like they're obviously, it's, a, it's just this troll account. I'm still trying to figure out. I've, I've reached out to a couple of BYU fans wondering like, who is this fake committee that's like just trying to make the committee look stupid and BYU look smart? And whoever's doing that, that's that's pretty genius of you. Um, let's see. Yeah, Alabama beat Auburn pretty good. Auburn might drop out. Um, Texas A&M beat LSU. They didn't look crazy good, but they won by two scores. Florida won. Indiana won. Oklahoma State barely won over Texas Tech. So, yeah, a lot of these teams are, yeah, in Coastal Carolina. The uh, I think they, I believe they are the only other 9-0 and team in the nation with their win over Texas State. I mean, great for them. But, um, so, yeah, Clemson, number three team. And then, yeah, Northwestern. With Northwestern losing, I, I would be appalled if the committee does not at least bump BYU to 13, because who's going to pass them? Like, a team that didn't play it, like, is Wisconsin having not played Minnesota, like, the 16th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers? Are they going to just jump BYU a week they didn't play? Like, I better hope not. I I think the committee, they, they've gotten some backlash from the national media. The committee at least needs to get BYU up to 13, and, and if BYU lays... Lays it on San Diego State next week. If worst case, if they don't get a game scheduled this week, then you know I think the committee. I'm hoping eventually they can bump them up to twelve. Because I mean, there's some nice bowl games out there, but again, I would like to see BYU in one of the New Year Six bowl games. The let, let's break it down here. We got um there. There's the Cotton. Fiesta, Sugar, Orange, Rose. Let's see. Let me get up here. I I should know these by heart. But but yeah, there's the the Cotton, the Peach, the Rose, the Fiesta, the Sugar. Um, what am I missing here? I'll just pull it up here. <laughs> just one moment. Oh yeah, so sugar, rose, fiesta, peach, cotton, orange. There we go. Thanks for bearing with me there. So yeah, th those games are millions of dollars to pay out. I'd like to see BYU in one of those. Usually in the in the projections, they have them in the fiesta. Let's see. Usually ESPN's bull projections come out every week. Um, 14 hours ago, it just came out. And where do they have BYU? Let's see. I'm, I'll bet you it is Fiesta. Oh, wow. So, news breaking here. Mark Schlaback has BYU in the New Mexico Bowl. And, and Cougar fans. Some of you guys know me. I'm an Aggie fan. I confess. I'm also jumping on the hype train. But I know how it is to have an amazing season and get stuck in a bowl. No disrespect to the New Mexico Bowl. I love it. We've won there twice. But two years ago, my Aggies went 11-2. and two, And, yeah, we had a great team. But, yeah, we got stuck in the New Mexico Bowl. And, albeit, we won it. But, anyways, yeah, they have BYU playing the New Mexico Bowl 
against uh, Fresno State. So uh, another chance to beat up on a, a Mountain West opponent. They've already proven that they can beat those opponents. Um, I'm not sure how much of a threat San Diego State will pose. The only way I see San Diego State winning is if it's terrible weather and and a good running and defensive team like San Diego State maybe could do something crazy. But let's see. All right, so Bonagura, he's the so Bonagura and Schleyback, they're the ones that do their projections so that you have not just one guy spewing off, but both of them. And he's got BYU playing Washington in the Fiesta Bowl, which I kind of like that because there's all this talk about BYU ducking Washington, and and if they get lined up in the Fiesta Bowl, there's no way they can duck each other. So, I mean, they get a chance to prove right there who's who's a better team. And you, you got to take Washington seriously because, I mean, Washington just came back on the Utes. We all know that, yeah, the BYU hasn't done super well against Utah lately, although this year I think BYU is better than Utah and Washington, but they can't just waltz in and, and just beat them. They have to play one of their better games of the season if they want to win a, a Fiesta Bowl against Washington. All right, so now that we got some of the the football talk done here, let's talk a little bit about BYU basketball. So, not surprising, they started 3-0. and they beat a Division II school, which normally that would be a preseason game. This year with COVID, they're being a little bit lax and saying, yeah, you can schedule a Division II in your regular season and it'll count as a win. So, yeah, they got nearly a 50-point win, 108-59. Um, the Purdue transfer, the tall 7'3", Matt Harms, did, he did not play in the first two games due to and a little ankle injury, just he just tweaked it. He sustained a little injury in practice. But but yeah, so he wasn't in, in that game. And then the day after that, on, on Thanksgiving, BYU laid it on New Orleans, um, 86 to 61. So a little bit closer. I mean that's a that's a division one program, not a big one, but it is it is one. And on Saturday night, there was the Crosstown Clash, the UCCU Crosstown Clash. It's just a quick drive down University Parkway, or up University Parkway if you're at BYU. Because in Orem, the Utah Valley University, it, it's one of the, I think, if not the largest, as far as like number of students there, um, schools in the state. Um, so they're... It, it, I, I loved, for some reason, this year with the rivalry with Mark Pope being the former coach of UVU and getting hired, and both schools kind of picking off some, some players from, from each other. Um, I, I, it, speaking of that, I wrote a Crosstown Clash article, so if you go to thehivesports.com and, and go to our BYU basketball tab, you can check out that article where I, I just kind of talked about the players that were kind of on both sides of the rivalry like some they were wearing blue now they're wearing green some were wearing green and now they're wearing blue and blue got the better end of the deal because for example Brandon Averett he, he was one of the best players at UVU so we picked him up put him on our team um, UVU has transfers from everywhere got a couple of BYU guys but they weren't like the best 
guys. They were like some of the guys, no disrespect, but like, yeah, Blaze Neald, for example, he was on the end of BYU's bench. Uh, I remember, yeah, he had a couple points last year, maybe like 12, like, like not a lot of points, just played in blowouts last year. But he got a chance to play a little bit more. Um, as far as the best performances of the game, there were two guys doing most of the heavy lifting. And other than these two guys, not nobody else scored in double figures. Like They were lucky to get points outside of these two guys. So Woodbury, Trey Woodbury, uh, yeah, I remember seeing him. He, he, could hit, he could hit the shots. He did some of his damage from beyond the the arc from the three he hit three out of five three-point shots and and yeah a total of 24 points so and credit to, to UVU they they hung early with BYU the first half they it was um 30 BYU 38 Utah Valley 24 and they were outscored 44 to 36 in the second Half that they ha- they had a couple runs where they they kind of narrowed it. What was it to like almost ten points or so? Or did it ever get to nine? But yeah, at least ten. So yeah, so yeah, it was getting pretty close there with like maybe seven six minutes to go. But then BYU did what they do and they opened it back up and yeah, won by twenty two points. Um, oh yeah, I was gonna say. Also, the other UVU guy, Jamison Overton, he had 21 points. So, once again, against a good BYU team with, not to mention, Matt Harms was back. He did only play a little bit, but his presence was felt down low. His length and height caused some problems, made it hard um, for UVU. So, they had to settle for a little bit mid-range or outside, just stay away from him when he was in. He had some foul trouble and had... Three fouls, so I believe, yeah. And UVU, speaking of them, they they also had some foul trouble of their own. The Overton guy, he he fouled out of the game. So on the BYU side, it's looking like there's a clear emerging start, at least on the offensive end. Alex Barcelo, you are one heck of a shooter. He he had twenty points in this game, and he's averaging the highest. I'll have to pull it up in a minute, but yeah, 20 points, 5 of 6 from 3, I mean, what a game. Just 15 of his 20 points were just from downtown, just just out there, just splashing some threes. And as far as, yeah, so he's leading the team with 21.3 points per game. Um, but yeah, BYU has four guys that do the heavy lifting, but they have a deep team. Like, even after that, you see, like, there's guys that are putting up, up points like they that they can score on this team. Uh, they're still young, but looks they look very talented. Um, so yeah, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, Connor Harding, and Matt Harms are leading. I think one of those guys was it. Oh yeah, too bad for Gavin Baxter. I think he sustained a, yeah another injury, so he's out for the year. Can't remember exactly what it was. It was ACL or I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was serious enough that he's out for the year. Um, I was gonna say um, that Caleb Loner, he 
he's a great look. He's a great player. He looks kind of different. Looks interesting seeing him with shorter curly hair because he used to have pretty long hair in high school, but he got it cut to comply with that honor code down there. And yeah, he's averaging five points a game, but he hasn't done any damage yet from three. He might be a little bit nervous, but I mean, he's 0 for 7 so far from three. But I mean, he's still trying to make his way through the rotation. He's got 16 minutes a game, so he's not the most minutes, but I mean, he's, he's probably one of the first guys off the bench. So, as far as the slate coming up, I, I talked about it a little bit last week for kind of a, a preview of, of what's to come before they get into conference play. You have the Roman Legends Classic. Let's see. Let's take a closer look at this. Oh, wow. So, so this is going to be out there in the Mohegan Sun Arena out in in Connecticut. So out there out east, this Roman Legends Classic would be a nice little holiday, I guess post-holiday, post-Thanksgiving classic tournament. Not really a tournament, it's just like a one-game little clash, which, which those are always fun. But they play USC. USC is is undefeated so far, but I'm not going to say that USC's looked particularly particularly impressive. I don't know if they're really like one of the the heavyweights in the Pac-12 um, of the Pac-12 teams. They are one of what is it five teams that are still undefeated. Three teams, including Utah, Stanford, and Oregon, have played, but yeah, they're one of five teams that have played and one of four teams that are sitting at 2-0 and because Arizona's just only played one game so far. But USC, their only wins, I mean, their game against UC Irvine earlier in the year, that got canceled, but they beat Cal Baptist. Now, now that's great. Beat California Baptist, but the score shouldn't be this close. It was, was 95-87, to 87. and to make matters worse, it came down to overtime. And to be honest, like, is Cal Baptist, I guess we don't know how good or bad they are because that's their only game. And anybody can be anybody. For example, we know San Francisco from our WCC conference, they beat Virginia and then they lost to some random, was it Massachusetts? Like, it was just some random program. San Francisco Dons. They lost to yeah UMass Lowell. Like, how do you lose to them and then beat Virginia? My answer is yeah, they beat Virginia by one. And honestly, Virginia is a defensive team, so so Virginia like they proved that they were the only NCAA team a couple of years ago to ever lose to a 16 seed. Now last year they they looked a little rusty against the 16 seed again, but they shook off the rust. And was it last? Yeah, not last year, but 2019. Because this this last year, um, COVID caused the tournament tournament to be canceled. But yeah, Virginia, they're capable of beating anybody. Defense wins championships, but if you can't score, you can also lose, like in the first round, like they did. So, anyway, so so BYU, 
playing USC. I, I just think the competition keeps getting a little bit harder. Like, I think USC is better than UVU. So, I haven't made my final prediction yet. Uh, I'll probably tweet something or, or, say, or, or maybe write something real quick this week. But I'm, as of this point, I'm thinking it's going to be on the border where BYU wins. But it's like on the border of like a single or a double digit. Like maybe 9, maybe 11, 10, like somewhere in that range. And then wishful thinking, like as you know, I'm, a, I'm an Aggie fan. And, and BYU is going to, uh, up to, to Logan to play Utah State on Saturday at 7 p.m. And, yeah, they're, they're going to have a full squad. Like, it's not like Utah State's getting any breaks here. They're, 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 they won't, won't have any fans. I know I've mentioned that a couple of times because I feel like personally, yeah, you're, you're the BYU fan base, you guys, I, I always hear you guys are loud. Um, Utah State also has a big fan base, and 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 yeah, with the the Vivint Arena, the neutral game being played every third year, yeah, it's just not as often that that we get to see BYU play Utah State in the in, in the spectrum. Now I know you guys have, are, yeah, BYU has beaten Utah State every game since two thousand eleven, but yeah, it's just. Um, a lot of those years, there were some down years, but now BYU is good and Utah State is good. Credit to them being the two-time Mountain West champions. Then this year, I'll, I'll I'll let you know that BYU can be a little more optimistic because I know, I know last year at least it felt like they there was a little bit of a possibility with how good BYU did or Utah State did with the first year under Craig Smith winning. That, that the score would be close. It wouldn't just be another double-digit BYU win. And it didn't come down to the wire. And BYU won by four last year at Vivint Arena. Um, this year, the Aggies, um, I'll, I'll get to them a little bit more on my Big Blues Day podcast for, for the Aggies on Tuesday. But they've really struggled to shoot and also protect the ball. Um, when other teams press them, they struggled and... I almost think maybe it's a blessing in disguise that we lost those games and that humbled us because we would have gotten wrecked. If we had somehow found a way to beat VCU, we would have been slated to play Press Virginia. I mean, they're West Virginia, but they're known as Press Virginia. And so they they full court press better probably than anybody in the country. And if we struggled to, I mean, for three for the first three quarters of the game, or I guess first thirty or yeah, first thirty minutes of the game versus VCU, we were great. We were ahead, and then we just had a drought. Like twenty, like they they scored like seventeen something like that unanswered points, and part of it was that we just got pressured. Like they just full court pressed us, and we and some of the guys just weren't able to handle it. And I mean, you think like that? Yeah, that's something. I'm sure the coaches have gone over that and. I mean, they played high school ball. They know how you're supposed to break a press, but maybe sometimes in, in the, with the speed of a college game, it gets difficult, and it was a little bit harder. But, yeah, so, B, so Utah State lost to VCU and South Dakota State, but then they did beat Northern Iowa by 11 points. And Northern Iowa is a scrappy team. They usually shoot pretty well. The, they had one guy that was 
really good on their team. Um, interestingly enough, yeah, his name was AJ Green, which if you're you guys fo- follow football, that's kind of a familiar name. And he had to f- we held him to twenty four points, but he was really the only guy that we really had to focus on because he was good. But anyways, that's that's kind of what it's looking like. I'm I wish wishful thinking like I'd like to see the Aggies win one every so often against BYU, but um, I, I, I'm thinking unless, if, if we play like we did versus Northern Iowa, I think it can be another close, like single digit, like close game. But if we struggle, then yeah, chalk up another double digit win this year in Logan, especially with, again, with the, not making excuses here, but without those fans, I mean, those fans are kind of what, when you hear Aggies talk about Spectrum Magic, a lot of it is just the fans. It's not those empty. When you look, like they're not BYU isn't going to be intimidated by all those empty seats. And if you've ever seen our seats, they're kind of like weird colors, like yellow, orange. It almost looks like the Jazz City colors. But but yeah, I digress. Um, it was it was fun to talk about BYU. It's it's crazy. Even as an Aggie fan, I'm just excited to talk about BYU sports because. Y'all, y'all haven't lost since, I think, yeah, since COVID started, y'all haven't lost in anything because before that, yeah, you've lost to St. Mary's in the, in the West Coast tournament, but so far undefeated in basketball and football. So, um, it'll be interesting to see BYU is not ranked in the preseason for basketball, but they had some votes. So I'm predicting if they keep winning this week, when I'll have to check whenever the polls come out. I think it could. It's possible we can see. Well, for the first time in I don't know how long, BYU being ranked in football and basketball at the same time. Like that doesn't, the way they overlap, it doesn't happen very often. But it would be cool to see. Okay, BYU fans, that's a wrap. Go Cougars, and good luck trying to find a game this week. Let's rise and shout. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.